I don't know. <laughs> Listen to them, children of the night. What music they make. It is midnight in Cozy Corner and in Carmel by the Sea. Pour yourself a cup of coffee and put your feet up and get ready to howl at the moon. It is time for the Late Night Fright with Dan and Faith right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. What have we got tonight? Tonight, we got the 1971 Clint Eastwood movie, Play Misty for me. Can you dig it? I can dig it. I can dig it. I can dig it, too. It is time for the Late Night Fright with Dan and Faith right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. Ow! Ba-ba-ba-ba-boo-ba. Welcome to the Late Night Fright right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Dan, and with me, as always, is my very late night DJ co-host, Faith. Say hi, Faith. Hi, Faith. Faith, we both have faces made for radio, don't we? Yeah, we're so ugly. (laughs) Just unattractive people. (laughs) At least you didn't call me, like, a psychopath or stalkerish or crazy. No, you're the farthest thing from that. But we're going to be talking about a movie tonight that has a uh, late night DJ and a psychopath and a stalker and borderline personality disorder and and Mama Bluth and (laughs) all kinds of things. Faith, what are we talking about tonight? Play Misty for me. From 1971, this is Clint Eastwood's directorial debut. Clint Eastwood has won two Oscars behind the camera for Unforgiven and for Million Dollar Baby, he's directed. Uh, we were we need to look up the number on that. Close to fifty movies. He has a movie out right now. It's called Richard Jewell, and this is the first one though. And Faith, this is Mystery Thriller Month here on the Late Night Fright uh, for January. We did Dirty Harry as a supplemental episode for this. We kicked off the month with Rear Window from Alfred Hitchcock, Master Director. We have another Master Director here, and funny enough, this is kind of a Hitchcock movie. Yeah, it is. You can see elements of uh, Psycho in it and things of that nature. And I'd like to add that uh, in the history of horror, Psycho from 1960 and Peeping Tom from 1961 are usually mentioned as the forefathers of the slasher genre. And then 1974's Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Black Christmas are mentioned as kind of the granddaddies mm-hmm. of it. And then then you get into the classic period with uh, Halloween in 78, where they think it really starts through 84 with A Nightmare on Elm Street. Kind of interesting that this movie from 1971, Play Misty for Me, is never mentioned in that conversation, is it? And it kind of is a slasher movie, isn't it? <laughs> it really is. <laughs> It's got, it doesn't have the tropes, the the laws as uh, codified by the, uh, I forget the gentleman's name who wrote Friday the 13th who figured him out, but uh, <laughs> this is uh, this is deeply terrifying and disturbing on a lot of different levels, isn't it? Oh, yes, very much so. So we have a, uh, we have a great cast here, Colin Eastwood and uh, Jessica Walter are in it, and I think it's going to be a good one tonight. What do you think? I think so, too. You know, Faith, I'm really excited to talk about Play Misty for me, but we have to... Get a little business out of the way first, don't we? We do. What time is it, Faith? It's time for the news. Time for the news. Sarah Gilbert and her wife, Linda Perry, lead singer of Four Non Blondes, recently announced they are separating. Friends, family, and fans have all been asking the same question. What's up? A date at the Cozy Corner Petting Zoo ended horribly when Colin Cappuccino said, What a lovely ass, to his date, Frida Figaro. Cappuccino was referring to Samson, the zoo's prize-winning donkey. Figaro thought he was referring to her derriere. There will not be a second date. 
And Figaro has retained the services of Gwynnie Goop, Lady Lawyer, Cozy Corners, Premier Sexual Harassment Attorney. Wow. It's January, and that means February and Valentine's Day is right around the corner. I have an announcement. I have a new candy company that specializes in those little candy hearts with cute messages. Only my messages aren't so cute. You can find the hearts which read, Eat Me, Bite Me, and Blow It Out Your Ass in stores around Cozy Corner. Love is a mini-splendored thing. Faith, I've known you for many years. You know I love you. I think that your greatest attribute is your heart. Your cold, (laughs) black, dead heart. Thank you. I want to buy into your company. Well, 2020 marks the 40th anniversary of Star Wars Episode Five: The Empire Strikes Back. Faith, I just rewatched that film recently, and you know what? What's that? It's still really, really, really good. Yes, it is. Ah, <laughs> uh, blow it out your ass, Faith. <laughs> and that is the news. During that lovely song, we got clarification. It is 38 movies that Mr. Eastwood has directed. And tonight we are going to talk about the very first one. Play Misty for me from 1971. I'm looking forward to this one, Faith. I am too. I am Dan. And I am Faith. And we will see you on the other side. This is Harrison Ford, the Big HF, host of the Straight Dope, the number one rated show on whatever the hell radio station this is. Why is the Straight Dope number one? People want the Straight Dope on the Straight Dope. Join me this week for a review of an exciting new blend from California called Eastwood. It's it's, uh, as laid back as it gets. This is laid back as its namesake and uh, it'll knock you on your ass just like the man I'm also going to be talking about some other stuff I, I really don't know I don't prepare or make notes for this I just say whatever comes to the top of my head I really don't care join me Harrison Ford the big HF for a straight dope on whatever radio station this is. This song's really fantastic. I should probably tell him to cut it. It's so mellow. Alright, that's enough. This is George Walton Lucas Jr. of Modesto, California. I'm a proud graduate of the USC Film School, Go Trojans. I'm also a film director. You probably remember my movies American Graffiti and THX 1138. I also did a little thing called Star Wars. Maybe you've heard of it. I'm also an aficionado of race cars, and I have a new show on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio, and I'll be talking about some of my favorite cars of all time. It's called Shifting Gears with George. I hope you join me. I will be taking calls from the audience. Oh, I have one coming through right now. Hey, George, it's uh, Harrison Ford, you know, the big HF. Why aren't you going to talk about Star Wars, buddy? I'm really done with that time of my life, Harrison. We're not going to be talking about Star Wars. It's not like you've done anything else. Harrison, I swear to God, I'm going to kick your ass. Whatever, George. Join me, George Walton Lucas Jr. of Modesto, California, for Shifting Gears with George, right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. Hey, do you think you, you, think you guys could get me, like, a Diet Coke? Also a little hungry. Uh, want a cracker? Maybe like a chicken and a biscuit? Yeah, that would that would be real good.
Welcome back to the Late Night Fright right here on WKMF, Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Dan. And I am Faith. And we are continuing our mystery thriller month here on Late Night Fright. We started off with Rear Window from Alfred Hitchcock, a great director. We have another great director in store for you. 1971's Play Misty for me. This was Clint Eastwood's first directorial feature. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say this. Usually it's first time watches for you. Uh, this was, was a first time watch for you, but this is a lot of fun. I had not seen this movie in close to 15 years. So, (laughs) so, uh, in a lot of ways I felt like I was watching it again for the first time. So, uh, let's give a brief synopsis. Would you like to give a short rundown of what this movie is? Sure. Uh, I'm trying to remember his name. Dave. Dave is a uh, radio DJ, what, like a jazz station? Uh, yes, in uh, Carmel by the mm-hmm. Sea. And he is on a break from his girlfriend. He meets a lady at the bar, takes her home, or goes to her house. Goes to her mm-hmm. house. Evelyn Draper, mm-hmm. played by Jessica Walter. Yes. And, you know, <laughs> they, uh, it should end with as, just this. <laughs> as, uh, as, our, as our good buddy Butthead would say, uh, uh, they do it. <laughs> And you, yeah, you know, then and they, they have an agreement, or she throws she it out. She says that no strings attached. No strings attached. So you think, okay. and he says that he has, uh, he had been seeing someone there on mm-hmm. a break. Um, so he's pretty upfront about where he's at. She, right. at least, seems somewhat upfront. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, and everything should be fine and dandy, but it's not because she is a psychopath. She is a psychopath. <laughs> you know how people say, "Oh, I got that crazy ex." And everybody has that that story. Everybody, you know, you know, doesn't work out with somebody. You go, "Oh, my ex is crazy." Um, no, this this one legitimately really is. Crazy. Yeah, borderline personality <laughs> disorder. Uh, she went to the bar looking for him, and I want to I want to bring up something about that in just a mm. little bit uh, with with her. <laughs> Modus operandi, or however, <laughs> I don't, I don't know the country club pronunciations, but uh, her mo <laughs> method of operation. Uh, Faith, first time watch for you. Mm-hmm. What did you think of Play Misty for Man? I love this movie so much that I even texted you that this might be one of my new favorite movies, and that takes a lot to become a favorite movie. Yeah, totally. And it has uh, I've known you a long time. It has the things that you like mm-hmm. in movies. What was it uh, that really kind of kind of drew uh, got you? I think. What it, about it drew you in? I think it was. I mean, a lot of stuff that uh, Clint Eastwood was doing directing this. I think a lot of it just kind of spoke to me, just in ways that it felt familiar in a way. But then it felt like its own thing, kind of on its own, if that makes any sense. You know? Totally. I mean, it feels like totally. a movie you would see, but it just felt so fresh. And it doesn't feel as old as it is. And mm-hmm. I think them their performances were incredible. Isn't it... Uh, I find it so uh, fascinating that he chose this for the first mm-hmm. directorial debut. Yeah, I was thinking you know? that too. And this is something, uh, I know he had been thinking about it you know, at the time, and uh, Don Siegel was one of his mentors. Mm-hmm. Don Siegel directed Dirty Harry. We, uh, we just put out a show on that. Don Siegel makes an appearance here as Murphy the bartender. Murph uh, at the, uh, what, what, was, what was the name of the bar? It was uh, the Canned Sardine, I think was the name <laughs> of it. Yeah. Like that, yeah, which is a real bar. And uh, so he appears here and, uh, you know, had Don Siegel's blessing, you know, as it is. And uh, Clint learned from uh, from some greats like Sergio Leone. And he was, you know, he's not a trained director. He just paid attention. And, you know, he was on mm-hmm. TV for all those years. And we're going to talk a little bit about his directing style, what he does uh, on the set in just a little bit. But uh, I find it so fascinating that he chose this for the first one. And it's so tight. And the story is so just, you know just watertight mm-hmm. it's so simple you know it goes from point a to point b there's exactly. uh, some twists and turns along the way because this is you know drama but right. uh <laughs> but it's not it's not overly complicated right. this no, isn't 2000 no on this movie yeah there's no this isn't 2001 this isn't a kubrick film right. this is a total audience picture it has uh elements of hitchcock to it mm-hmm. you know uh and you can tell that uh he does these masterfully you, if you told me this was an alfred hitchcock movie I might be tempted to believe you. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, and you go, oh, no, it's Clint Eastwood's movie. Oh, he directed that. And that's the first movie he directed. Right. Oh, what I'm impressed with is how, because you just said there's no fat on the movie. It flows. Everything just works the way it's supposed to. I'm impressed by how tight this is for a first-time director. I because, know. you know, you look at some of the directors, their first movies, ah, there's problems. You know, right. some of them 
in their control, some out of their control. This is just start to finish, just tight. It's great. It's very great. Shot in 21 days. Under budget. Came in under budget <laughs> and I think ahead of schedule. Yep. <laughs> you know? But I think I think why I think why he picked it uh for a lot of reasons is because of the uh because it is a story about these characters. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. It's a character driven story. Right. You know, it's not an effects driven story. The uh you know, it's not hinging on the suspense elements. It's hinging on these characters. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that probably appealed to him as an actor. Right. And uh, but I think maybe too the the fact that it is just so streamlined. This is just top to bottom, it boom, boom, really boom. Really is. Yeah. Now I mentioned it in the uh, intro that uh, this never, for my money, gets mentioned as one of the uh, you know kind of founding members mm-hmm. of the slasher genre. Do you see this as a slasher picture? Yeah, and I'm really surprised that it doesn't get you know kind of thrown into that mix i'm kind of also surprised that this movie kind of feels like it's less known than it should be you know i mean yeah even though it was a uh it was a nice hit when it came out right and uh you know obviously then he got to direct more Mm -hmm. you know i mean eastwood come on he's an he's an international icon oh right you know obviously he was okay but uh, it uh, no no it is it's one of those things like it, it it was mentioned on Bravo's scariest movie moments when they did the second part of that but uh, it, it's not one that comes up in in like the horror conversations right. you know a lot of times right it's yeah it's not a movie I see just floating around people talking about constantly you know so, yeah but and that's kind of surprising to me because. This, this is, is so damn good. Really good. Like, uh, you know, coming back to it after so long. And now I remembered, obviously I remembered the movie and there were images I remembered from it. But uh, I forgot how damn good this this really is. And um, talking about how damn good this is, you can still see the influence of this. We both had the same thought that movie opens with him driving. And I'm going to let you go ahead and say it. Like, what were you thinking when you're watching Eastwood driving? And there's a few driving scenes. The first thing uh, I thought of movie. was Misery. That was the first thing that popped into my head. Okay, see, I didn't go to misery. Okay, that there. was the first thing. Oh well, throughout the movie, I was thinking misery for misery. Yeah, I was thinking Brad Pitt driving in Once Upon a Time yeah. in Hollywood. You could see, I see that even too. the Cali- the way California mm-hmm. looks. It's not Hollywood and Los Angeles right. is Carmel by the Sea, but that that look that this movie has. Mm-hmm. You know, you can tell Quentin's a fan of this movie. I know he's a huge Eastwood fan. So I you mean, know, and then I read after the fact after. Uh, I thought about Misery. Misery got some influence from this movie. Absolutely. <laughs> and I was like, well, no, no, duh. <laughs> Absolutely it did. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about the performances. Uh, I, I think, like I said, just top to bottom, this is well directed. Mm-hmm. This feels professional. This feels, it's like he was all there. Right. At oh, the beginning. Yeah. It's like he was, he was just all there. And uh, I think it's, I th- I'm so glad he went behind the camera and he's still making movies at 90 freaking years old you know has one out right now richard jewell and still good that's the thing he's he's still good he's still all there i mean there's not a lot of stuff that you see that he does that's like me no no there's just some that are better than others you know yeah some might uh not meet the expectations but he is fantastic uh before we get to the big star performance in this let's talk about him Mm -hmm. in this movie because uh i feel in this movie because he's being stalked that in a lot of ways, and this is what's so ironic to me, that uh, one of the greatest tough guys in movies, mm-hmm. Clint Eastwood, that image that he has as a tough guy, is the damsel in distress in this movie. Do you agree with me on that? I agree 100%, and I was thinking that throughout the movie, because you see him in all these, you know, like you said, he's... <laughs> he's, quote-unquote, the girl. Yeah, well, I'm saying throughout all his other movies, I mean, yeah. you know, he's the man. <laughs> but in this, it's like he, he kind of... he's. You say girl, and I'm going to say girl too, but he's that more laid-back, quiet character that, you know, more vulnerable or something. Right, you and know, you and don't usually see him in danger right. like this. That's the thing. Clint Eastwood always plays these characters who usually have it together. Exactly. Or can figure it out. He, he has nothing together here. Like, it, it, it all unravels uh, due to the uh, introduction of this woman into his world named Evelyn Draper, played by Jessica Walter. Who is most famous? I would say for what Arrested Development oh, these yeah. <laughs> days, and for uh, Archer, she does the voice of Archer's mother on the on the animated that. series. Um, I I hate to say this to you because I know you're a huge fan. I never really watched Arrested Development. I never, you know, I don't watch much television, so that one passed me by as it is. I understand she's wonderful in it she though. Is. <laughs> okay, Lucille Bluth. I know that's her name yes. in the movie. Okay. 
Uh, can you see elements of that character in this character here, Evelyn Draper, or is this just a, a, just, uh, she's knocking out the park, you know, getting Eagles on every, on, on every green, you know? Well, I mean, she's, she's crazy in Arrested Development, of course. I mean, you know, she's not very normal. <laughs> I'm pretty sure she starts drinking at like 8am. So, I mean, she's a little, you know, woohoo. Yeah. But I don't think she's, you know, the same as Evelyn in that <laughs> psychopath going to stalk you and you know, slash all the people in your house. Right, type right, of way. right. But I mean, I think she's, I think she's great. Everything I've seen her in. I do part. too. I've, I've always, I've always been a fan. Mm-hmm. Like I said, Arrested Development, I know she got so many accolades for that. Oh, it just, yeah. I, but I, seeing her in this movie. Okay. Yeah. Let's talk about her oh, in this gosh. movie because, uh, this, this is crazy. Uh, I've, I've seen crazy on, on screen before. Uh, she, she does not overplay this. She does not underplay it. This is like believable crazy. Yes. Like real life. Like real life borderline personality disorder. And it, uh, it terrifies me. You know, I, I knew somebody like this. I won't go into details, not to this extreme, not to stand it over, you know, with a (laughs) knife, but, uh, yeah, I, I knew someone like this and, they nailed it. They nailed it. Was good. I was going, ooh, this is <laughs> this is a little difficult to watch, you know? Uh, showing up unannounced when you're not supposed to, you know? That's the I think that's the the parts in the in the movie that I'm like, oh my God, you are great. I mean, obviously the knife situation, but I mean yeah. I think the moment where she just kind of shows up in the dark, like in his yard. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. What's wrong with you? The selective amnesia, almost like selective hearing. <laughs> right. You know, it's over. It's not over, you know. Refusing to believe and and look, I'm not belittling borderline personalities or it's a real thing, you know. I don't, right. I'm not, I don't want seem like I'm making fun of it at all, but it's uh, you know, it, it's terrifying. I know. It, she she plays it. She has these eyes that just will will go, I know. you know. And it doesn't feel like she's acting. And I don't I mean that I think Jessica Walter is this way at all. No, what I mean is she acts so well. <laughs> she She's so inhabited in that role of uh, Evelyn Draper. She, she keeps you on your toes through this movie. I mean, she actually was scaring me through the screen. Oh, like, totally. Totally. And and I mean, I was I was totally empathizing with Eastwood's character, you know, and right. you want him to haul off and knock her yeah, at one point, you know. And uh, and he's he's kind of a good-hearted, decent guy for the most part, you know. And you know, let, let's okay. So let's talk about it because she calls into his show. Mm-hmm. That's where the title comes from. The great. And by the way, the song "Misty" by Errol Garner is one of the great pieces of, of 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 jazz standard. Mm-hmm. You know, it's out there and uh, give that a listen. It's it's, it's absolutely breath. We listen to it about three or four times on the way over. It <laughs> it never gets old no. and. I think Johnny Mathis had a big hit with it vocally, but the instrumental version by Errol Garner is, you know, a jazz standard and one of the great pieces of music you'll ever hear if you haven't heard it. But um, so he has a radio show in Carmel. She calls in and very seductively will ask, uh, you know, play Misty for me. And kind of sexy, right? Kind of, kind of. Yeah. Kinda. And he expects her. She's been doing this for a while. Mm-hmm. That's how the movie opens. Then he goes to uh, to the canned sardine uh where Murph is uh, the bartender, played by Don Siegel. Would you like to tell the Don Siegel story? Because there's a very funny Don Siegel story. <laughs> uh, they switched for this. Siegel had directed Clint Eastwood in several films, uh, most notably uh, Dirty Harry, I think, prior mm-hmm. to this. And uh, so Eastwood hired Siegel as an actor in his movie. Would, would you like to tell the yeah, story? Yeah, um, he made him... What did he make him do? The take 11, 11, times, 11 times. And then was like, oh, we, well, I need to put some film in the camera. <laughs> There right, <laughs> right. Let me ask this: uh, What did you think of Siegel's performance in the movie? I thought Siegel oh, I was great. <laughs> I thought he was great. I thought he was really wonderful. Um, yeah, for his first acting, you know, moment. And I and I thought it was great that Clint put him in there. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really. I oh, know, I like that. Really nice neat. touch. You can you can tell that he had a great affection mm-hmm. for him. Um, as we said in the Dirty Harry episode, uh, if you want to hear more about what we think about Eastwood as an actor and kind of an icon, it's it's in. The uh, Dirty Harry episode that just came out. Okay, speaking of Dirty Harry, did this this came out the same year? Same year, I, I think. Uh, Play Misty came out before it. It's like whatever was filmed first mm-hmm. came out. Like so, after. what do you think Dirty Harry would have done here? <laughs> Dirty Harry, uh, he would have a three hundred grain uh, forty four magnum <laughs> cartridge 
with her name on it, and uh, I, I can't say that uh, I blame him. I think Harry would have tried to get her psychiatric help before Dave Garver uh, does. I th- Dave, uh, the character Eastwood plays is out of his element here. Mm-hmm. He, he doesn't know what to do with her, and I don't think this was as widespread a thing, you know, in the right. public consciousness. Yeah, I was thinking that, too. I feel like for that time, like you said, not being so widespread known, like I feel like it was very realistic for that time period yeah. like what do you do especially to a person you don't really know that well you know i mean it, you know it's kind of one of those things too like uh you know the great irony of john belushi's life is he died in 1982 and 1983 the betty ford clinic opened and Al- and and problems of his nature the substance abuse mm-hmm. became more of a thing you could talk about and get treated for <laughs> you know and, and that's to me is always you know broke my heart about belushi mm-hmm. and, and like this time the, the, this borderline personality thing wasn't Right. You know, in the mainstream. So you're right. Like, like, what do you do? Right. Like I said, he doesn't know her that well. So what yeah. do you, I mean, you know, it's like, what, what do you go with that? You yeah. <laughs> so she meets him in the bar. She's waiting for someone. It turns out she's pulling a fast one. So this is what I want to ask about Evelyn uh, Draper's character. So she's sitting there waiting for him. The spider has been, has weaved the web. He's in. The fly's in. She's caught him. His life goes completely downhill from there. Okay, <laughs> so what would she have stalked him even if they had not met? Because I have the feeling that this was all set up from the beginning that she was going to, you know, worm her way into his life because mm-hmm. she she says she's waiting there for someone. Oh, surprise, it's you. Oh, there's the first lie. <laughs> you right? know, so what if, you know, uh, what if, you know, he hadn't talked to her or gone home with her or or even met her? Really, do you think it would have? spiraled though because she seemed to have it in for him she was setting it up Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. and i'm not saying there was a grand plan right you know like oh i'm gonna kill the man that i say i love and i don't even know (laughs) right but see before you even ask the question would it have spiraled i think if he would have kind of just looked at her not really given her the time of day i think that might have put her somewhere you know i think that might have spun her out a little more possible. So he was screwed either way. I, th- I think so. I do, t- I do too. Okay, now what if they had not met, though? If, if hmm. she had just kept calling into the show, do you think it would have, uh, you know, do you think it then like this weird thing, he wakes up one night and there's this woman over his bed with a, I with don't a know. knife? I'm not sure. So, hmm. yeah. Okay, so I want to address this too because we are living in, uh, in the times that we were living in and, uh, we're living in the uh, Me Too era, and uh, male-female relations are, are changing. Uh, some would say uh, for the better. I, I think a lot of things have gotten a lot better. I think some things are a little weird <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> don't leave me hanging. Do you agree with me on that? Yes, I Was, do. Okay. Okay, I don't want to sound like, you know, like, you know, stepping on the ladies or anything like that. But um, so we because because this needs to be addressed in relation to this movie. Did he do anything wrong? No. Okay. You don't think he did anything. No. I don't think he did anything wrong either. Did he lie to her at any point in this movie? No. Yeah. Because we, we established, he said, hey, I'm, I was I was seeing somebody. We might be getting, it's kind of inferred, you know, I'm not mm. seeing them right now. And she says, no strings attached. Mm-hmm. And let's talk about how this escalates. So then she shows up at his house with food. Mm-hmm. He says, I, I, and he keeps saying, I'll call you. And. He never. We never get a chance to find out if he would have called her because right. she shows up every <laughs> exactly. time. Exactly. What are some of the other things that she does to him? Let's see. She um, she shows up in his uh, the phone booth and is in his car. She shows up. Yeah. She. Uh, this is the one that gets me. Is when she when he, she shows up at the meeting. No. No. Oh. Well, no. That one. That yes. Uh, so he goes into the canned sardine and uh, she is outside and she sees him go in. So she calls and asks if uh, he's there. Mm-hmm. Murph, played by Don Siegel, uh, covers for him because Clint actually does have work. To, and he's not, he never blows her off right. to be me. It's actually like, I had something I got to do. Right. You know, I'll call you, you know? And uh, so, uh, so she knows that he's in there and Murph covers for him. And then he walks out and she gets completely uh, pissed off because, you know, he, he was blowing her off. And that, to me is the one where you start going, get away. Exactly. Get away. Get away. Uh, she tries to kill herself in his bathroom, which he uh, graciously then calls a doctor and lets her recuperate there for just a 
just a day or, or two or something like this. Sends her on her way. She has a copy of his uh, key made. And then uh, the one that gets me, though, too. Yes. Would you like to say what's happening? So he's up for a, a gig either on television or, or a nationally syndicated radio show. He's meeting with the lady that makes this decision. He's having a uh, business lunch with her at a marina restaurant. It's very nice. He's in like Flynn. He's, it seems like he's got he's got the gig. And Faith, what happens? And she shows up, of course. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, threatens and... and uh, insinuates, insinuates that he's, that's, he's that's, having an affair with mm-hmm. a woman who, uh, I, again, it's hard to judge you know, how old people, some people are. Because Eastwood's 41 when this is made. A mm-hmm. uh, woman at least 10, 15 years older than he mm-hmm. is. She has gray hair in the movie. Mm-hmm. you know, And not unattractive, but she has gray hair. Right. And she... Jessica Walter insinuates that he is, uh, yeah, he's leaving her for for this woman, and he's not even with her at the time. <laughs> <laughs> and then she storms off and yeah, throws a fit, and he loses the gig <laughs> because of her. Does he throw her in a taxi? Throws her in a taxi. Yes, <laughs> throws her in a taxi. She goes to his house and trashes it. And yeah, tries to kill his uh, maid. Yes, <laughs> Rosie. So. It, uh, like I said, the progression is so well handled the way it, mm-hmm. it escalates. She doesn't oh, yeah. go from zero to batshit crazy, you know, immediately. But right. there, but those little warning signs that are like her showing up, you know, and then he says, hey, we got to establish some ground rules. She doesn't establish those ground rules. I think the big mistake he makes is sleeping with her the second time. Mm-hmm. But at that point, it's you're not in code red. It's more strangers <laughs> in the night, you know. Right. You know, ships that pass and then I kind of think, yeah. And but it's, it's not full on crazy, mm-hmm. you know, crazy lady. Yeah, crazy mode. Completely. Yeah, <laughs> that I think. But I, I don't think it would have mattered. No, I really don't no, think I don't it, it, it would have so. just kept going. Yeah, I'm yeah. your biggest fan. So, um, yeah, the misery, definitely the misery influence here. And for me, it was like her staying in the house. Mm-hmm. You know, when she, when she was uh, recuperating from the uh, suicide yeah. attempt. She even said, I'm your biggest fan or something like yeah. that, or number one fan. <laughs> yeah, it's in there. Yeah. I mean, like I said, you you nailed it. Like, And I didn't even think about the driving at the beginning in Misery when he uh, when he's driving to Shotgun by uh, <laughs> Junior Walker and the All-Stars. I didn't put that together because I was thinking I had Once Upon a Time in Hollywood on I the can, brain. I can see that know, too, this, yeah. At this point. But um, it, it it's it's a terribly disturbing movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, uh, but it's also very entertaining. It's not, you know... Uh, oh yeah, it, it's one that's just. She makes me. She made me uncomfortable. She did too for me. She made me uncomfortable when she wasn't on screen. She I know. made me way more uncomfortable when she was on screen. Though I know, but that's 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 actually very true. I mean, even not on screen, you're waiting for her to show up somewhere. You know. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, oh god, what's gonna happen next? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Donna Mills plays uh, Toby, uh, Clint Eastwood's uh, on-again, off-again girlfriend. I thought she did great. She was mm-hmm. a big soap star in the 80s on Knott's Landing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, But she was beautiful, wasn't she? She mm-hmm. was beautiful. Kind of almost Goldie Hawn-esque. Did not like her, her haircut. I didn't like any of the haircuts in this movie. It's like they got a, a group a Groupon at the uh, unisex hair, hair salon. You know, it's like... So I said one, uh, both of them have one of my least favorite female haircuts. Yeah. And that's really that era, that weird uh, Florence Henderson, yeah. Mrs. Brady. Uh, it's like a female mullet yeah, almost. Exactly. You know? But it's uh, yeah, that weird bang business in I the front even, and party on the sides. You <laughs> know? I think even Evelyn's like, um, does he run your fingers through your hair? And I was like, I wouldn't. You know? <laughs> right. I don't like her hair. Right, so uh, so the movie leads to a uh, a climax where uh, Evelyn has inserted herself into Toby's life, and you don't realize that she has been living with uh, Clint's girlfriend, and it's a surprise to the audience <laughs> because she comes around the corner. It's so it's handled so well, you because you you know her at right. this point. The audience knows her, and you think she's there to kill her, but she has tea, and then you're going, "Well, did she kill the other roommate?" And you go, "Oh wait, yeah. she was the roommate." Yeah, my first thought was, "Oh." She snuck in, secretly murdered the roommate, and she's serving tea, you know. Yeah. To Tony. Is that her name, Toby? Toby. Toby, they were close enough. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. exactly what I was thinking. This, uh, and then it ends with uh, he has to go over and uh, she attacks and he ends up knocking her off 
the ledge into uh, the uh, Pacific actually, Ocean. I actually thought it was going to end differently. How did you think it was going to end? I thought she was going to get both of them. <laughs> I just had a feeling. But I was actually okay with her not killing both of them. I was uh, I was okay with her meeting her demise. Right. Oh, yeah. Yes. Um, so we were talking about uh, the way that Eastwood directed this movie. And uh, I think he handles the horror elements here very well Mm -hmm. what did you think of the way that he handled like the uh the stabbing scenes because that to me is like right out of uh hitchcock that's right out of psycho i like how yeah they're very up close you know yeah you're you're right right right, you're almost in like you know point of view almost you know yeah and one of the things that that does an extreme close-up like that you can get on on um on her and then you can Mm -hmm. turn around on the victim Mm -hmm. and what happens is if, if you're noticed uh so she come down with the knife you're in close up you cut but you never see the, the actual cut mm-hmm. of the knife. Right. You're cutting another person. And it's very kind of jarring in mm-hmm. a way. It's it very is. it's very uh, kind of jerky uh-huh. in some ways, but uh, very effective because I actually feel those more than I do, you know, uh-huh. uh, like a gore hound type of yeah. uh, stabbing or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it definitely seems more horrific in that Yeah, in that very much more intimate and real mm-hmm. and you feel the cuts. That's, I know. That's, that was uh, very impressive. I was, like I said, from top to bottom just absolutely impressed with uh, Me too. With how Clint you know, put this together and what he did here. Yeah, it's sort of been this, his first movie first to movie. direct. I mean, goodness. First movie. Yeah, yeah I think he... I yeah, think he hit it, the ballpark. Me too. And it's so easy with these guys because, you know, he's coming out of these uh, Westerns mm-hmm. and, you know, the tough guy image. And it's so easy. You know, Stallone fought this for years. Schwarzenegger, too, you know, because, uh, you know, he doesn't say a lot on screen. You know, people think you're stupid, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eastwood has long ago disproved that, you know, his, you know, the question, any question of his intelligence. This, this is, this is a smart dude. This is, mm-hmm. uh, uh, not pompous. There's no ego with it. You know, it's just, you know, he says he doesn't look for hidden meanings. Uh, like John Milius, he's not one of these guys who looks for, uh, you know, shot composition. We're just telling the story. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yep. That's it. And his loves are on display here. His love of jazz is on display. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a hell of a good uh, pianist. He could have gone professional. I, I really mean that. And, uh, you know, you get to see the Monterey Jazz Festival, which is one of mm-hmm. my favorite things in this. And you get to see Cannonball Adderley, the great <laughs> Cannonball Adderley, who is on the Miles Davis album, Kind of Blue, widely regarded as not only the greatest jazz album of all time, the one of the greatest albums of all time. He played in that group with John Coltrane. But uh, if you look real close for all you music fans out there, the group Weather Report was formed by uh, Joe Zavanul and saxophonist Wayne Shorter. You can see Joe Zavanul playing with Cannonball Adderley in the movie, and they are doing uh, the Preacher's Blues, I believe is what they're doing, uh, the Preacher, in the movie. And he's playing soprano saxophone. I'm just revealing myself to be the big music nerd <laughs> that I am. And uh, it's it's really good, though, and I, I really enjoyed seeing that. Clint is a mm-hmm. genuine dyed-in-the-wool jazz fan. I love that about him. Mm-hmm. And you get to see him play, uh, play piano a little bit in a... Uh, in the line of fire and he's written uh music for most of his movies but uh i i loved seeing that you know it's fit for the character because he's a oh, dj yeah. and all that but uh, what did you think of uh seeing the old the monterey uh jazz oh, festival that was one of my favorite parts it felt like it wasn't even a movie anymore like you were just in their lives you know for these yeah. real people's lives and totally you know? and you get to uh you get to hear uh roberta flack's first time ever i saw your yes. face which is a beautiful song and uh uh, what did you think about the inclusion of the song? Because it's a very romantic scene. Uh, he's he's hooking back up with Toby, played by uh, Donna Mills. And you've had this kind of slasher, stalker, horrific thing going on. And then the movie takes a big breath. Mm-hmm. And you have these like very kind of pastoral scenes of them walking on the beach and in the woods. And, uh, and they're, they're getting it on in the, in the river. And this beautiful Roberta Flack song. Mm-hmm. What did you think of that scene? I liked it. And, you know, it actually just dawned on me. I feel like maybe in those moments, maybe he finally appreciated what he had with her, you know? I mean, because she's not... Totally. Evelyn. <laughs> totally. And, and uh, you know, it's one of those things. He he wanted that song. He paid for that song I, I, to I be in the that. movie. And uh, he wanted that in that scene mm-hmm. in there. And, you know, I was watching it and I was going... This is a little odd, you know. This is this not odd, but uh, it's like wow, you know. Like okay, so we got this kind of music video, and I'm going, wait a second, no, no, no. This is like the breather. Like mm-hmm. we have to have this breather, and he just went through hell, and right. we have to take a breath because he's about to go through hell again. <laughs> you know. No, I I really I really enjoyed it. I liked it. I, I thought too. I thought the uh, the love scene was handled very tastefully. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel like it was gratuitous or anything like that. It was a uh, 
It was great. The whole movie's great. I know. It really yeah, is. I mean, this, this really, you know, like I said, set the template for what was to come, and he only got better, if you can believe <laughs> that. <laughs> I know. It's crazy. Just like Evelyn Draper, played by Jessica Walter. Just, just like crazy, just- Faith. <laughs> Well, Faith, before we take a break, do you have anything you would like to add about Play Misty for me? I think I'm good. How about you? I think I'm good for the time being. Well, we will, uh, we're going to take a very short break. I am Dan. And I am Faith. And we will see you on the other side. Scott Rice, host of Laser Beams. Pew, pew. That's Laser with a Z and Beams with a Z with your update from Laser Lanes. Tonight's high score in Laser Tag was 4269. She had 444,000 points and 315 CK. That's confirmed kills. Kills with a Z. A spirited debate broke out over who is the hottest live-action Lois Lane. There are so many to choose from. Margot Kidder, Erica Durant, Kate Bosworth, and that new girl on the Arrowverse shows. I brokered a truce when I said, I'll take them all. Hubba hubba, va-va-voom, va-va-voom. Join me, Scott Rice, for Laser Beams, pew pew, right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. Conspiracies is the highest rated new program on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. Conspiracies exposing the truth. You better be careful what you wear this week, cause you're gonna be pissing out your ass when you hear what we have to tell you. This week, we're gonna be discussing the depopulation agenda, the films of Oliver Stone, and what Ancestry.com really does with your DNA. Get ready to piss out your ass. Conspiracies on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. Join your unnamed host from an undisclosed location as we shed the light of truth on the darkness. Conspiracies. Piss out your ass. Welcome back to the Late Night Fright right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. We are continuing our discussion of 1971's play Misty for Me as part of our January Mystery Thriller Month. I am Dan. And I am Faith. Faith, we we both really, really enjoyed this movie. And um, as we said, it's kind of forgotten in some respects, I think. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not mentioned as much as it should be in the horror canon. And we do horror movies here. And I think it fits right in very well with the horror canon. Uh, works as a mystery suspense. Well, not not so much a mystery, but a thriller. Mm-hmm. More of a thriller. Oh, yeah. And you can see its influence on uh, movies like Fatal Attraction and things like yep. that. And they're still doing these kind of home invasion, creepy stalker type mm-hmm. movies. So uh, I can't think of the names of any of them off the top of my head. But I know there was one <laughs> with Beyonce and Ali Larder a few oh, years yeah, ago. Oh, yeah. I just saw it on the menu yeah. today. Um, oh, man. Obsession or Obsession. Yeah, that'll work. Obsessed. Obsession. Yeah. I'm not as uh, intimately familiar with the Beyonce filmography <laughs> as I should be. <laughs> So uh, let's wrap this up. Uh, what were some of your favorite things from Play Misty for me? Oh, man. The whole movie. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I was surprised at, like I said, it had been 15 years or so since I'd seen it. And I was really seriously surprised at just how well polished this mm-hmm. was and, and everything in this movie from start to finish is so good. Yeah. I love all the, the twists and turns going on through this. You know, I mean... It, I think it was so well done. For me, I felt like I was, you know, 
on the edge of my seat most of the movie. And yeah, you know, because you know it's going to get uncomfortable. And that, right. that to me is sometimes uncomfortable and awkward is more uh, unsettling than, yeah. than something really awful sometimes, exactly. you know, yeah. in movies at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not in real life. No, awful is always. <laughs> always worse than awkward and unsettling um no but you knew it was coming you knew that Mm -hmm. there was going to be just awfulness before you got to any kind of resolution Mm -hmm. with it so uh, i'm gonna say jessica walter is so off the chain here she really deserves some kind of recognition for this but uh i think eastwood's performance might get a little overlooked because of how showy hers Mm -hmm. is and uh, i think he's really great at grounding this and it doesn't feel like I say this in the Dirty Harry episode. He does variations on Eastwood. This doesn't feel like a variation on Eastwood. This feels like, you know, something something else, mm-hmm. you know. And, and of course, uh, you know, he gets this rap, you know, actor of limited range, whatever. You know, he's he he's great, and he's right. great here. He, he's great here, and her performance doesn't work without his performance exactly. working, and she's able to shine because of the kind of more laid back. Mm-hmm you know, grounded approach that he has to things. And uh, they work well. I think they're a really great screen team, you know, because you don't think of them as a screen team, you know, but uh, uh, you you don't think of the antagonist and protagonist that way. But uh, I I think they work really well together. I think think she gave him a great performance. I think he probably got a great performance out of her. I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, his directing because he keeps his sets very light. Did you read anything about what he does? Mm, I don't think so. Going back to the Rawhide days, they used to like ring bells and tell everybody it was time to go. And then they, you know, the director would get the megaphone and go action. And he said, what happened was it pissed him off. Cause he'd be up on a horse and it would spook the horse and you have to settle the horse down. And he said, and then, you know, you're getting prepared and you're kind of quiet and still, and he doesn't and you got all this noise around you. And I, I think Clint's an introverted guy. Mm-hmm. I think that's the thing. And, uh, his sets, he doesn't yell action. He just goes, all right, are you ready? Whenever you're ready. And they go. That's I like it. that. Yeah. Like, good. And he it's so relaxed and so good, and he knows how to get work with actors mm-hmm. so well. They say he usually doesn't do more than one, two, three takes. Like, usually he can get them on the first one. Yeah. That's nice. He's like, I think that's good. Let's, let's go. Yeah, he's not going to sit there and do 60 takes. Right. Or something. It's, you know, moving on. And I love that. And he said no distractions on the set. And everybody, it, 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 you better be chill when you're there. So, uh, like and they said he is the boss, but, uh, and you know, he's the boss, but he's not a dictator right. at all. It says very collaborative, but we got to get this done. Yeah. <laughs> so no. And I can see that. Yeah. I can see that. And I mean, look, he's got some great work out of actors. You know, I think it feels like, it seems like it's probably a very safe environment to create in, which I think is, oh, uh, yeah. I think comes through, you know, but yeah. no action. He does not yell action or cut just and go. <laughs> yeah. When, or more, it's, it's more like whenever you're ready. <laughs> I got, I got lots of camera. I got lots of film in that camera. Just take Go ahead, time. baby. I, I'm veering into Robert Downey Jr. in Tropic Thunder territory. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Look, baby, we got film in that camera. Oh my god. <laughs> I love him though. I, uh, I, I absolutely adore uh, Clint Eastwood, uh, the man. His, uh, his life, his work, you know, everything in front of and behind the camera. I think he's, I think he's absolutely great. We, uh. We've mentioned before that uh, in 2016 in Baton Rouge, we had a flood. We were displaced for a, a couple of months, and uh, it was during that time I went through like almost his entire catalog. <laughs> I was, <laughs> I was just, I was living under a table and I don't uh, blame you. in a sleeping bag watching Eastwood movies like all I've, day, I've every day. I watched four just this week, and I'm like, okay, let's <laughs> throw some more on me because they're so yeah, good. they're so good, they're so good. <laughs> so, uh, well. Um, as we said, the Dirty Harry episode is up. We just did that because uh, Mystery Thriller Month. We thought, what a great way to talk about Clint Eastwood, the actor, mm-hmm. more. Because you don't really get that from him here. Right. You know, even though he's great. But uh, uh, So we talk about him, and that's one of the great thrillers of all time, one of the great action films. And uh, this one, I mean, I feel like it's criminally overlooked, maybe. It, it really, it, I think it really is. I mean, I don't think it's talked about nearly enough or praised enough or had you heard of this before i yeah. mentioned it oh, oh, yeah. you'd heard of it okay yeah you know i always talk about my grandma because she loves horror movies so this is one right. of her favorite movies okay. of all time so of course i've heard it through her my grandpa's even seen this and he doesn't like movies like this and he likes this movie yeah so i knew it was a good movie but you just don't hear about it yeah in a lot of circles you know it's just it's kind of a horror movie for people who don't like horror yeah. movies yeah you but know, it's, it's just it's really unfortunate that it's not 
as you know talked about as it mentioned should be. I mean, when you talk about Halloween and 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 uh, you know those movies yeah. like this because it's Cause really it's creepy. Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, yeah, it is. Great psychological uh, thriller I movie. Know. Really great psychological thriller, and from Clint Eastwood. That's what's so cool about it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, Mystery Thriller Month. We kicked it off with Rear Window. Uh, obviously, we just did play Misty for me. We are continuing next week with uh, another great movie from a great director, Brian De Palma, the director of Carrie. We're going to be taking a look at Blowout, starring John Travolta, Nancy Allen, Dennis Franz, and John Lithgow. This is one of my favorite movies. This is one of Quentin Tarantino's favorite movies. Quentin Tarantino says this is John Travolta's finest screen performance. And as a fan of Pulp Fiction, it's it's a toss-up for me. But, man, he's really good in this movie. And this is classic uh, early Travolta and uh, classic early Brian De Palma. And it really doesn't get much better than this. If you would like to watch this movie before we do our episode, it is up for on Vudu right now for free. I'm not sure about any of the other streaming sites, but it is up for free. And we would love for you, you know, to, to watch the movie beforehand. Not giving you homework, but, you know, <laughs> listen to the show. Give you a heads up on what we're going to be doing. I'm excited to watch it. Yeah, it's it's a great movie. I discovered it uh, in the mid-90s when I was about 15, 16, when Travolta made his comeback. And it's... it's what year is this from, you said? Uh, 81. 81, okay. 1981. And then, uh, so we're going to do Blowout, and then uh, we're going to go into 1992's Reservoir Dogs. And we're going to close out the month the way we started with Alfred Hitchcock and one of Faith's favorite movies of all time, one of my favorite movies of all time, Psycho. Yes. From... Hitchcock. Ooh. <laughs> That'll be fun. Ooh, and we might even do the pilot episode of Bates Motel. Yes. We might. It's possible. No, we will. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, it's a great movie. I can't wait to talk about it. So, Faith, anything uh, you'd like to add about Mystery Thriller Month or Play Misty for me or Clint Eastwood or Jessica Walter? Anything that we've talked no. about tonight? Listen, the only thing that, I, that you know, everyone needs to watch Play Misty for me. And uh, yeah, it, and honestly. Yeah. Talk about it more, you know. Yeah. Get, it, get it out there more. Honestly, because I mean, it's really a shame that I rarely hear about this movie. Yeah, honestly, um, I'm with you on that. Thank you all out there for tuning in wherever you are. Uh, if you are a return listener, uh, we thank you for your continued support. And if you're a new listener, uh, we welcome you to Cozy Corner, and we hope that uh, that you continue to come visit us here mm-hmm. in our cozy little corner of the podcast world. Um, we did Dirty Harry, as I said this week, and The Millius Show. There's a show out on John Millius, the great writer-director, uh, and it's basically us fan fanning all over him for <laughs> for about 35 minutes. I don't know how much you're going to get, I don't know how much insight you're going to get into John Millius, the writer or the man, but if you want to hear us talk about how much we love him, you <laughs> that's the episode for you. But uh, So anyway, thank you all out there for tuning in. Faith, it seems like it's that time, doesn't it? It does. It feels like it. But but like but wait. There it is, Faith. There's the music. Time to say goodbye. Yes. At least it's not Misty. <laughs> that, as much as I love Misty. That's true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this has been a lot of fun. And I just want to reiterate what my what my great co-host said. You know, watch this movie, talk about it. Please get the you know, not that it needs our help, but it you know, this this is kind of overlooked and, and it's wonderful. And please don't stalk us. Yes. Please we don't take requests, so it's all right. You ready, Faith? May your coffin be cozy and your sarcophagus warm. May the light of the moon keep you safe from harm. Be you vampire, spook, specter, or beast. Always remember, keep keep your your monster monster on a leash. We'll see you on the other side. This is a coyote for the late night fright with Dan and Faith right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. A lot of crazy people out there in the world. If they want you to play Misty... Don't. We hope you take the good vibes from this show out in the world with you. If you can't find them good vibes, look right into your heart. They're right there waiting for you. We'll see you next time.